All right, everybody. How we doing? Good. Can you hear me in the back? Okay. Um, several people I noticed on the chat were trying to figure out where the audio recordings are. Hello. All right. So, okay. So let me tell you what's happening. I have my new hearing aids in, and everything sounds really loud to me, including my own voice. So. If anything, I'm going to tend to tone it down. So if I don't talk loud enough, let me know because I have no idea how loud it's too loud. Okay. In any event, uh, some people have talked about how they've had challenges finding the audio recordings. Um, if you can subscribe to the podcast, they're there. Okay. So the podcast is on Spotify, Apple Play, Google Play, Everybody Play, whatever. And it's Frank Bible Truth, all one word. So... Uh, you'll see it under there. It'll be mixed in with the ones that are under the sermon because I put the sermons up every week, but it's clearly labeled Luke week one, Luke week two. And this one will be Luke week three. Exactly. So that's basically where that is. Um, so if anybody can't find it, it's not on the YouTube channel because we're not videoing it. We're just audio recording it. So that'll help uh, do that. Uh, let me pray for us. So we'll get started. God, we thank you for uh, tonight. We thank you for all that you give us. Thank you for the way you've given us your word, how you've shown us how to walk through your word, uh, how your word shows us ourselves. Thank you, God, for the way that you care for us. Thank you that each person here and those that may still be coming. Pray to those that are listening online that you'd open our hearts, that you would uh, help us to see what the incredible truths that you've put in this word. And uh, God, help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 tonight. Um, what did we learn last week? Luke was a connector from the Old Testament to the New Testament with writings. Okay, that was two weeks ago, right? Oh, okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> ah, last, but it's good that you remember two weeks, that's better. Last week was all about an announcement to... Zechariah about Elizabeth. Yeah, about John the Baptist. Okay. This week we're going to look at another announcement, um, and this time it's uh, well. Let's just read it. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, "Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you." But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and over the kingdom there will be no end. Okay, so let's stop there for a moment. What do you notice is different about this announcement than the one we studied last week? She doesn't question him. Okay, she doesn't. She does question. She doesn't doubt. I mean, not the way right. I mean, she. She basically Zachary. is more like, okay, this is going to be cool. How does this work? Not, it's impossible. I'm too old. Yeah. Now, admittedly, she's not old, so it is possible for her to do this, and it's not as much of a shock telling her she's going to have a baby than somebody else. Look, look a little broader. What's the difference in the context or the location? Or what do you notice about this announcement that's different or the same as last week? Well, she's not married. Yeah, she's not, not married. Well, that's different. Good. Okay. They're not living together. No she's not married. She's okay. a virgin. She is a virgin. That's highly unique. It's the same angel. It's the same angel, Gabriel, both places, right? So he's the major announcer. Um, the two angels in the Bible that are well-known is Gabriel and Michael. Michael. And Michael's the warrior, Gabriel's the announcer, okay, or the messenger, okay? So Gabriel has already been to Elizabeth to tell her the news, and now we see that he's now moving on to talk to Mary. What's the difference about the location? Well, where did the angel meet Zechariah? In the temple in the high holy place, right? I mean, he's, he, he met him in the place where God speaks. 
to tell him that John the Baptist is coming. Now, where does he meet Mary? In nowhere. Nowhere land. Okay? Um, and yet, this time, he's announcing the Messiah. You would expect him to announce the Messiah in the temple and John the Baptist in nowhere land. So the very location is telling you something about the difference of this Messiah and what they were expecting. Okay? Now, um, Nazareth, uh, this is the first time it's mentioned in the Bible, Nazareth. It's nowhere. It's six miles from the biggest road. It's 40 miles north of Jerusalem. It's, it's in a nowhere place, nowhere land. No one's ever heard of it. It's never mentioned in the Old Testament. It's not mentioned in any of the apocryphal books uh, that were written. And it's barely mentioned in the Bible. But every time it's mentioned in the New Testament, it's always associated with what good could that place be? Yeah. Okay, Nazareth, in, Nazareth, Nazareth. I always have a hard time with that. Uh, in particular, it was known for having really bad water. Um, they had a well in the center of town that worked sometimes. Sometimes it didn't. They'd have to bring water in from forever away. Um, the next major road, the closest major road was six miles away. Um, and um, so so just notice the difference in the way this is announced okay because it's important because you're going to start seeing everything about this child is a bit different than everything about the other child okay and um, so we see that uh, we're given a time frame here right what's the time six months who's six months John the Baptist. John the Baptist, six months. Okay, so how much older is Jesus than John the Baptist? Younger. Huh? He's younger. Excellent. Right, so what's the age difference? The answer is you don't know. Because you don't know the difference, the time frame between when the when the angel announced the birth and the Holy Spirit came over Mary and uh, the baby's delivered. But you could probably guess a minimum of nine months somewhere to nine months in a year okay so it's the sixth month what did we learn last week about the fifth month you can Isn't that when uh, Mary went to go visit Elizabeth not yet no she hid herself yeah Elizabeth months. had hid herself for five months oh, well, so Elizabeth is just now showing up yeah. uh, and even people are discovering that she's pregnant so now we're a month later into that um and they call her a virgin. Okay, now, no matter how you look at that word, no matter how you dissect it, no matter what language you look at it in, it means a young woman who is sexually pure, period. You'll, you'll read people all the time, oh, well, it just meant a young woman, or not that word. No, it's a sexually pure woman, okay? Um, and so he says to a virgin betrothed to a man. What does betrothed mean? Engaged. Well, more than Promised and married. Okay. Yeah. If you remember, I did a. I talk about Jewish marriages all the time. But a while back, I went into quite a bit of detail on a Sunday about it. Um, when you um, were interested, or when you were beginning to think about getting married, the parents got together, mm-hmm. and the parents actually do the engagement. Okay. And the engagement is both the fathers agree that their kids could get, should get married. Now, hopefully, the kids are obedient. And if they are, there's a ceremony called a betrothal ceremony that involves the male offering the uh, woman a uh, glass of wine. And if she drinks from it, she accepts the betrothal. And that betrothal usually is about a year before the actual marriage. Okay? After the betrothal, the um, husband-to-be will go and uh, create a place for his wife, a home and father's house. He'll come back when everything's ready, unannounced, and the wedding will begin. Okay, so, um, but from the time you're betrothed, you're as good as married. The only way to get out of a betrothal, once she drinks from that cup, is to be divorced. To be divorced is high shame. Okay, so here you have a woman who's betrothed to uh, Joseph, and um, she is told, basically, that you found favor with God. You're going to bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. He'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. Now, one of the things that's really important, how many times do you think you read this passage? Hundreds. A lot. Hundreds. Okay. 
it's really important when you're doing Bible study or you're reading the Bible to convince yourself you've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. And read it with fresh eyes, okay? So here, let's just look at it. We have Gabriel came, a virgin, to the house of David. Virgin's name's Mary. He came and he said, Greetings, the Lord is with you. She tried to freak out what that meant. And he said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord your God will give the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Okay, now every Jewish girl knew that a Messiah was promised. Okay. What's unusual about this birth from Mary's perspective? Well, first she didn't know a man. Okay. But she's betrothed. Yeah. But yeah. She's anticipating yeah. that she will, right? So what's unusual about this for her? He doesn't know. Okay. Her husband doesn't know yet, but all she's got to do is... angel came to tell her, so that's got to be pretty... An angel showed up. That's weird. Okay, but the point I want to make is she has no idea this isn't Joseph's son. Not yet. Okay, the angel has announced to her, you're going to have a child. That's not unusual. You're a Jewish woman who's going to be betrothed and get married. There's not a time frame on this. He doesn't say in the next month you're going to be pregnant. He simply tells her, you're going to be with child. Well, most Jewish women who get married do end up with child pretty quick. So there's not a ton that's unusual about this so far, right? The unusual thing is that um, an angel showed up. Now, the other thing is, because we know the story, we read into it what's not there yet. Okay? It's really important to realize that you have to read the story as if you don't know anything. Okay? What did most Jewish people think the Messiah was going to be? A warrior. A king, like David. Right? Do you think anybody thought he was going to be a born of the Holy Spirit and fathered by God? No. They were expecting a normal birth in a normal place through a normal couple, and the Messiah would come into the world just like David did, just like John the Baptist did. Okay, So we read into it because we go, oh, we know the story. Yeah. But at this point, all Mary knows is you're going to have a child, and he says you're highly favored. Uh, you're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son. You're going to name him Jesus. Okay. But she said, she yeah. asked, how can this be since I am a virgin? Yes, but at this point, we haven't got there yet. Oh. Right? <laughs> what I'm saying is when you read the text, you can't jump. So you got to go down the text. At this point, she is a young woman in the middle of nowhere in a town nowhere. An angel has showed up and said, you're going to basically have a child. And she knows from what he's describing, this is the Messiah. Yeah. Okay, every Jewish girl would know that. He's going to be the most high. He's going to um, reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom, there'll be no end. So now she knows, I'm going to birth the Messiah. So right now, the strange thing is that an angel showed up. Exactly. And she's like a nobody in the middle of nowhere. And she's not yet sexually active. Yeah, and... Um, She's betrothed, but not married. Yeah. Okay? But at this point in the story, the way it's unfolding for her, there's nothing supernatural here yet. Right. Okay? Her question is, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Okay? Now, notice the key word here, will. What does the word will tell you? <clears throat> she knows it's going to happen. She ain't doubting it's going to happen. Yeah, she knows. Okay? Now... If they had told her before this question that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, she might have a lot more questions. How in the world does that work? What's that seem like? Okay. But she simply says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Okay. Well, the obvious answer to that might be, well, it's not going to happen for a year. I'm just giving you a heads up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not the answer she gets. The angel answered her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Okay, now we're different. Okay? Now that's a whole game changer. It's a whole thing. Okay? 
Because prior to this moment, she had no fear. And you'll read people say a lot of things like, oh, well, particularly the Catholics. We're going to talk about them a lot tonight. But (laughs) you're going to hear them say, oh, isn't Mary wonderful? Even though she knew she'd be ostracized, even though she knew she'd be beat up or whatever, she could be killed for it or whatever, she just immediately says, how will this be? Okay, well, at the moment she said, how will this be? There was nothing unusual about this. There's no supernatural thing. There's no having to tell Joseph that she's pregnant. There's no being ostracized as a woman who's pregnant and betrothed to somebody and he's not the father. None of that's in play yet. Okay? When she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? All she knows is I'm going to have a child. Okay? And so the angel answers her and he says, you know, he'll come, the spirit will come upon you. Um, and uh, he says... Um, He'll be called the son of the most high God and behold your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son and this is the six months with her who was called barren for nothing is impossible with God. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now he's introduced her to Elizabeth. Do we think Elizabeth knew Mary? Mm-hmm. No, not, 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 at no that point. not at that time. Would they have a reason to know each other? They're relatives. Yeah. Okay, they're relatives. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Did they know each other? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Why do you think they knew each other? Because she. Do we actually know that through scripture that they knew each other? Well, we're about to. We're going to presume it for a reason. That's sort of what we're leaning to. Okay. He doesn't go into any further explanation about Elizabeth. She didn't go like which Elizabeth is that exactly? Who? Who? What? So she. She probably knows Elizabeth. But remember, Elizabeth is probably at least 30 to 40 years older than she is. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, you know, would be at best uh, an aunt or a great aunt or somewhere in there. Um, and she is going to have a child as well um, because nothing's impossible. Okay, so now Mary has new information, right? Mm-hmm. Now, she's not told that the son that Elizabeth is going to have is born of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. She's not told he's not. Okay, all she's told is she's pregnant, right? And then he says, nothing's impossible with God. Okay, what I'm trying to do is get you to see that you can't read into it what you already know, okay? All she knew was Elizabeth, my aunt, who's really old, probably 60, um, is now with child in her sixth month. Okay, and Mary is basically going, okay, that's unusual. And he says, nothing's impossible with God. In other words, Mary... What's about to happen to you is impossible, uh, and it's God. So nothing's impossible. Okay. Now, she says, uh, and if we could just memorize this and repeat it every time God tells us something, mm-hmm. we would do really well. Uh, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay. Now Mary has the full picture. Okay. Her last statement's much more impressive than her first one. Okay, in other words, how will this be since I'm a virgin? That's a logical question. Now understanding what the angel is saying, you're going to be pregnant, and the Father is going to be the Holy Spirit, and you're about to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that's, uh, you're going to be impregnated, and Joseph is not going to be the father of this child, and everything's about to change in your world. And she says, how will this be? Or, or not that. She says, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, what if she just said no? Then she wouldn't have been highly favored. (laughs) (laughs) Did she have the option to say no? She was never given an option. No. This is what's going to happen to you. He didn't say, do you want to do this? He didn't say, hey, if you're okay with this, this is what we'd like to do. That's not what was said. Okay. An angel said, this is going to happen. Okay. It's a mystery in the sense that God already knows who is obedient before they're even asked to be obedient. Okay. So, you know, as you said, Carol, she wouldn't be highly favored if she had this spirit of rejection. That's why she was highly favored. And and God knew that. And and out of all of his creation, he picked her. Okay. 
All right, so. But he would have also picked who her parents were and how her upbringing was and all those other yes, things. Yes, he knew it all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yes, because it had to follow the line also, right? Right. The genealogy. Yeah, yeah so. they're going to follow the genealogy. <laughs> okay, we're going to get that a lot next week. But also week. her name, um, like, okay. But there's a point here I think is really important, and that is that um, she's not given a choice. This is what's going to happen. Okay, now, in your life, the same is true. Uh-huh. Yeah. God has created you for a purpose, and you will fulfill it, and you have no choice. It's just a matter of how you're going to fulfill it. And the sooner you get to the place where you go, I'm a servant of the Lord, let it need to be according to your word. Okay, the point here is that she's not that unusual. Okay, she is unusual, but she's not a lot different than every other believer on the planet. Okay, every one of us is here because we have a mission from God to complete. That mission is going to get completed because we're not going to do it, the Holy Spirit's going to do it. God has ordained that our life has purpose and meaning, and we are eventually going to carry that out. The only way we could fail at that is to not surrender to Jesus in the first place. Because once the Holy Spirit decides we're going to do something, we will end up doing it. Okay. I'm sorry? Okay. All right. So now, what does the angel tell Mary that, what, what does the angel say to Mary about herself? She's favored. Highly favored. Three things. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. You're blessed. Okay? Those are the three things the angel tells her. Okay? Those same three things are true of you. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you, and you are blessed. Okay? Now, is there any indication here that Mary somehow earned this responsibility? No. God certainly knew her character. He certainly knew that she would be obedient. He certainly knew that she was the person that he had created to fulfill the mission of birthing the Messiah. No doubt about it. Okay, um, But it wasn't like she had won a lottery or lost a lottery or you know, was some super special, super intelligent being. She simply was a woman who was humble and served the Lord much like everybody else that he uses. Now, if you grew up, how many people grew up Catholic? Okay, this is going to be really hard for you all the next hour. Um, because there's a, lot, there's a lot the Catholic Church says about Mary that's just not in Scripture. I don't know how to say it any other way. She just ain't there. It's not there, okay? Um, you know, what's the prayer? Mother Mary, Mary, Mother of Grace. Mother of Grace. What does that imply? The problem is, is that it implies that she's the giver of grace when actually the scriptures say she's the receiver of grace. Okay? So we're going to continue on, then we're going to go back to another point. So I just want you to sort of put your Catholic hat kind of on the side for a minute. Um, now, the angel leaves. Okay? Uh, at some point, Mary becomes pregnant. We don't know if that was immediately. We don't know if that was a week later, a month later, a year later. We don't have any idea. wasn't a year later, but any idea of what that was. We do know it was relatively quickly, at least within the next three months. Yeah, right? Because she goes to see Elizabeth, and Elizabeth hadn't delivered yet. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Um, now, it says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. Okay. What do you notice about that? She was hurrying. She was hurrying. Why? She was trying to get away from the people who would persecute her, probably. Or yeah. I mean, basically, what's happened is they found out. Yeah. People, Joseph, everybody now knows that Mary is pregnant and she's not married. Okay. Nazareth is not a particularly friendly town. How do we know that? Nothing good comes from Nothing good comes, Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Or can anything. What else? Later on, what are they going to try to do to Jesus? Kill him, stone him, and throw him off of a cliff. 
okay? These are rural people that really don't have a lot of patience with much of anything. Okay, so Mary's probably not well received once it comes out that she is a child. What size is Nazareth? How big a town do you think it is? Small. Very small. Maybe 600. Maybe 600. She's very well known, this girl. Right? So is Joseph, for sure. Why is Joseph so well known? Carpenter, okay. Yeah, he's a descendant of King David. He's royalty. Okay, people forget that Joseph was royalty. Okay, we're going to get into that a lot next week when we talk about no room in the end. Okay, but at this point, Joseph is—he's well known. He's of the royal lineage of King David. He ain't that far off. Um, and there he is in, of all places, Nazareth. Such a bizarre thing when you think about it. Okay, so now you got Joseph um, and Mary. And I'm sure there was the big. I bet there betrothal was probably one of the biggest events in Nazareth in the last 20 years. Mm. And now she's pregnant. Okay. And David had to go to Bethlehem. Hmm? Why do you think Luke skipped the whole Joseph part? I think because I think because his focus here is going to be. Remember the focus here is on the Holy Spirit. Okay, we said the first week, the beginning of this book begins because the Holy Spirit returns to earth, and we're going to see in a minute that we're going to track the Holy Spirit through this story. Okay, uh, Joseph is unimportant because he's not the father of the child. Okay, remember this is all about the birth of the child, right? Now he'll become important in the few next coming chapters, but right now it's all about the birth and it's about the baby and it's about the Holy Spirit. Okay, so um, she knows that Elizabeth is pregnant. The angel told her. Why do you think she picked to go to Elizabeth? I have a question. Yep. So who was Mary to get such a um, advantageous marriage to Joseph, who was from the royal lineage of David? Because she had lineage. So too. She. she has lineage too. Okay. Yeah. Her. Her. Yeah. They both track back through. It's just weird. They're both there. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, why to why did she go to Elizabeth? The first she, because the, could, like, the angel mentioned because yeah. she get she had a miracle too. Yeah, and she knows that. that okay. she, the angel said in that amazing message to her that you're going to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit, and your uh, elder relative right. is pregnant. If there's she's anybody on the planet that understands what she's saying, is going to believe that she potentially yeah. is pregnant of the Holy Spirit, yeah. it's going to be Elizabeth. Right, right. Yeah, right. You know, because they're going to describe the same angel to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that had to be a weird conversation. Oh, yeah. Now, what did he look like? Oh, he had, the, yeah, that was him. Yeah, he had the, yeah, that was him. That was Zachariah. Yeah, Zachariah. Yeah. Okay, so. All he could do was make pencil notes. Yeah. Um, That's true. Okay, and so, um, uh, in those days, Mary goes with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah. Okay, where, where did she go? Probably Bethlehem. Probably close to Bethlehem. Okay, so the hill country of Judah is the hills around Jerusalem. Okay, so she's about to make the pilgrimage that she'll make later when it comes time to go to the, to Bethlehem. Okay, now the family's down there, so it's not surprising that Elizabeth is nearby. Uh, remember we said her husband was a priest who works in the synagogue and they live generally outside of Jerusalem but nearby. Bethlehem's six miles away. Um, Jericho's 10 to 12 miles away. So somewhere in the hill country um, is where she's going. That's going to be important next week uh, because there's, I'll just give you a precursor. The story of the Christmas birth is so full of scriptural inadequacy. Inaccuracies. And they've been repeated so long, people believe them. Yeah. And one of the biggest ones that's repeated that is nowhere near true is that there was no room for them in the end. Okay, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way they translated that just makes everybody think, oh, you know, mean means we'll, we'll get into it. All right, but anyway, so now she's going to greet Elizabeth. And Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. The baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Wow. How did she know? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, she's full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
So who doesn't have the Holy Spirit in this room? Zechariah. Not yet. Okay. Mary. Who else? John. Mary. Oh, wait, no. No, John does. Yeah, Mary John. does. Mary. Wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mary does. Well, she got pregnant. Yeah, she got pregnant. Holy Spirit came over her and overshadowed her. The words are very specific. Oh, yeah. Never filled her. Yeah, okay. Now, the Catholics will tell you she was born perfect. She was born like God. She was born with the Spirit, uh, and she was immaculately conceived as well. But the truth is, the scriptures don't support that. No. Mary is a person like all the others. Okay. In this room, the two babies are connecting. Jesus clearly born of the Spirit. We know that John wasn't born of the Spirit, but received the Spirit in the womb. We see now that Elizabeth just got the Holy Spirit. Okay, We're going to see as soon as John is born that Zechariah gets the Holy Spirit. The person that doesn't have the Holy Spirit here is Mary. Okay, So that would bring you, make you think of something. Okay, So here's the thing. What I want to tell you tonight is when you study scripture and you begin to ask a question that you really are kind of curious about, pursue that question. Okay? Don't feel like you have to stay in this text because you're going through Luke. Okay? So the obvious question is, okay, when did Mary receive the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Did she ever was it when they all yeah, did it in Acts? That's a good question. Why don't we go to Acts chapter 2? <laughs> <laughs> like how you set that one up for somebody else to say it. <laughs> Acts chapter Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. And, um... She had Jesus with her So, and what I really want to show you is, um, when you're curious, go ahead and pursue that because that's as much a Bible study as anything else mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of reading through the Bible in a year yeah. because when you want to go on a tangent and chase it you can't but you can spend a lot of time going okay the Catholics say Mary is full of the Holy Spirit that she was sinless that she remained a virgin her whole life that she was conceived of the Holy Spirit that she's essentially um, the equivalent of Jesus in female form and uh, that she both should be prayed to as well as be worshipped, okay? Well, you better figure that out for yourself, right, based <laughs> yeah. on Scripture. So yeah. let's go, I'm going to go to chapter 1, and just know that at the beginning of chapter 1, Jesus has ascended, uh, in verse 6, um, he says, uh, you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Then he was taken up into the sky. The angel says, what are you doing here? What? What? Where are you? I'm in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Okay. No. No. The sound the multiple came together. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they came together. 6 is where it started. Right. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. Right. Okay. And then, if you go down to verse 12, they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. And they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Okay? So who's listed as staying here? All the disciples. They're all one accord, devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Okay, mm-hmm. so here we see Mary there. Now this is the last time Mary's mentioned in the New Testament. Is that right? Just so you know. Okay. Yeah, I know you're thinking, aren't you? <laughs> this is the last time Mary's mentioned in the New Testament. She's mentioned all through the Gospels. Okay, we're told she's in this room. We know at the cross that. She was given to John to take care of, right? But at this point, Jesus has ascended, and this is the last time we hear of Mary. Okay, now, Peter stands up among the brothers, and he says, we got to replace Judas. They basically announce that it's going to be Matthias, right? Matthias, yeah. Okay. Um, Now, when the chapter two, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. 
Okay. Yes. They were. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Okay. Not just the upper room, the entire house. Okay. Now, many people, and myself included, believe that this was at the temple. Um, and um, I believe it wasn't a house nearby, it was at the temple. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but it has to do with the fact that it's Pentecost, that God's Spirit would show up in God's place, that as soon as they began speaking, other people from all over the world understood them and knew that something weird had happened. Uh, That's not going to happen in a private residence. That's going to happen in a very public place. And at Pentecost, they were all required to be at the temple. So the upper room basically means a higher place or another place. Uh, It could very well be the temple. In fact, I think it was, because... As soon as they start talking in tongues, people from all different, we get a whole list of all the people that hear them talking in tongues and realize they're speaking in their own dialect. Um, and the presence of God at Pentecost in particular, I believe God, if he's going to reveal himself, would do it that way. It doesn't really matter. The point is they're all together in one place. But the reason is when it says that um, the Holy Spirit came and filled the entire house, usually that's the house of God, which usually is the temple. Um, so just let, you can't just assume I'm not saying that's what it was I'm saying there's a lot of evidence that this was actually at the temple at Pentecost and not necessarily somebody's house down the street um, but can I ask a question sure so why would, because that, the words are very specific in English in yeah. English so you have a, a tool to tell you where that, that word came from like why did they use people just the backs well, I mean, the, the problem with... Okay, look at it this way. Um, the Lord's Supper was in an upper room of a house. Okay, We know that because Jesus basically said, go to the guy that owns the house, get the upper room ready. Okay, There were 12 disciples in the upper room with Jesus, Okay, plus some servants. Okay, now, that was a huge house that would have room for those people. Here we have 120 people. So your first question should be, wow, how did 120 people get in an upper room? That must have been some upper room. Okay, So that's one thing you begin to think about. Then you realize that upper room can also be a high place of God or a higher place. Okay, So they we're all together in a higher place. We translate that upper room, and it technically is. Okay, The same thing, the house can be a house. It can be the house of God. It can be a temple. It could be around the temple. It could be in the outer courts of the temple. Uh, remember that for the Jewish people, the temple was the actual middle part. Okay, The outer courts were the outer courts. So many, many people think this occurred in the outer courts. Um, now, it, I, I'm not saying that's what happened. What I'm saying is just be open to the idea that had these people had the Holy Spirit fall on them and they just started talking in the upper room, they'd have looked at each other and said, that was weird. Yeah. right? But we're going to see in a minute that all these people from all over the world heard them as they were doing it. Well, where would they have been at Pentecost? At the temple. Yeah. It's a pilgrimage feast. Everybody from all the world is required to be there. Okay? So let's keep going. We'll get to it. All right. So uh, it says, um, and this is important, it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues of fire appeared and rested on each one of them. Okay? It didn't say, and Mary was there who already had the Holy Spirit, so the Spirit didn't need to fall on her. Okay? <laughs> Let's keep going. And they all spoke in tongues. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Why? Because it was a pilgrimage feast. And the sound of the multicampia, they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. And they said, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Okay, so that brings up the question. Were all 20 of these people, 120 of these people Galileans? We're thinking about it. All right. How is it we hear each in his own native language? And they call out all the languages. They're amazed and perplexed. What does this mean? And they said they must be drunk. Okay? The key to this passage and Mary receiving the Holy Spirit is actually in Peter's sermon. So let's keep reading. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, Men of Judea and those who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. That would be roughly about 9 a.m. But... This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. 
Okay, so what Peter's saying is, what you're seeing now is the prophet of Joel partially fulfilled. Okay, we know that Joel's final prophecy is going to be completely fulfilled in the end days, but he's saying this is a foreshadowing. Now notice what he says. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Okay? There's a big debate as to whether in the upper room was it only the disciples that received the Holy Spirit or all 120. Okay? And so a lot of people say, well, it's only the disciples received the Holy Spirit. Um, I think the majority would say it's the 120 because there's no, there's no correction of the number at some point. But had it been the disciples, daughters would not be fulfilling this prophecy. Young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Okay, so what he's saying is, look, in front of you is what's happening. The prophet Joel talked about. Men and women are receiving the Holy Spirit. Men and women are prophesying. And it's a beginning of women are equally called to do the work of God in the New Testament. Okay? So you back all that up and you say, okay, now when did Mary receive the Holy Spirit? Yeah, along with everybody else. Okay. Um, There's no indication in the Gospels that Mary was somehow supernaturally empowered. Um, In fact, at one point, she actually sins um, against the will of God when she goes and tries to get him because she thinks he's crazy. Um, So what I wanted to do there was show you that you may start out in Luke chapter 2. You could end up all the way over in Acts or Joel or Jeremiah, anywhere. And let the Spirit take you through the Scriptures as the Spirit wants to take you through the Scriptures. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so now we have Mary. Let's go back. We're going to go back to Luke chapter um, 1. Um, and um, let's go to verse... Which time do we have? Okay. Um, let's go back to their exchange. Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry. Okay, now you got to remember that throughout the Bible, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they tend to talk really loud. You'll hear it all the time. They exclaimed with a loud cry. Okay, um, and here she says, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb." Okay, now had Mary not been filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth been filled with the Holy Spirit, what would she have said? Hey Mary, what brings you here? When was Mary told that she was her niece was pregnant with the Holy Spirit of God? When was Elizabeth told that Mary was carrying the Messiah? The Spirit. Yeah, never is the answer. That's revealed to her by God. Okay, she didn't know. Okay, when Mary showed up, Mary's pregnant. She's pregnant with the Messiah, born of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth had no clue. Right. Okay? But when John the Baptist in the womb knows the Messiah is present, they connect through the Spirit, and she starts leaping in the womb. At the same time, Elizabeth receives the Holy Spirit, and now she's given insight from God. Okay, what do we call that? gift of wisdom yeah okay she knows something she could not know otherwise unless the spirit of god told her you know, does that make sense yes yeah. so she's revealing sort of what she's kind of blurted out because the spirit is revealing it to her at the same time she's saying it okay just like there's an encounter with peter where jesus says who do the, does the world say i am and at one point peter blurts out you're the christ the son of the living god Okay, she's doing the same thing. She's realizing what she's saying as she's saying it. Mm-hmm. Okay, it didn't come from her. It didn't come from anybody except the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay, she didn't know why the baby was leaping in her womb until she was filled with the Spirit and God revealed it to her. Mm-hmm. Okay, pretty amazing stuff yeah, when you think about it. All right, so now she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Okay. 
So she not only recognizes this is a special child, she realizes this is going to be her Lord. I bet you Mary was like, what? Like, how did this happen? (laughs) I think Mary went through a lot of like, wow, things are getting weird really quick. Surely, how did she find out? (laughs) Okay, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Wow. Okay? So the key here I want you to see is when you put aside all the things you know and you actually walk through the scriptures and what they tell you, the story gets far more entertaining and far more interesting. Okay? This is being revealed to her as she's speaking. Uh, She doesn't know the details. Um, And I'm not sure if she knew that the father of that child was the Holy Spirit. For all she knew, Joseph and Mary were doing things they shouldn't have been doing and Mary's running from Galilee and down here running, you know, basically coming to hide out, okay? But when she's full of the Spirit, all of a sudden she knows everything. Yeah? Are Mary's parents ever mentioned in any of the other Gospels? Yeah, uh, Mary's lineage is mentioned. I mean, but her uh, mother and father? No, no, not that I know of. So I was thinking about something. Mary and uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth was, like we learned last week, she was late in years. Mary... I've always been told that she was probably 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. So there's a 35, you know, year gap in there. Right. And, you know, that may, I was thinking that might have been the reason that she went there. She was pregnant. She was a young woman. Elizabeth may have been like a mother figure for her. Well, and it's very possible that her parents wanted her stone. I mean, yeah. it was the family's primary responsibility to punish sin. Okay. So we don't know. We can read into it. And I think it's really important to realize there's um, a lot of interesting things to think about when you read the scriptures. You'll, you'll have a million things to think about. Well, you can't you hold your hat on something unless you can prove it in scripture. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just speculation. But it's fun to speculate. And it's, fun right? to, it's fun to relate and also connect with the people in the scripture because it right. brings them more to life for yourself. So Mary then goes into this song of praise. Okay, Because what's Mary realizing? This is the first time Mary's faced with, oh my gosh, people are acting weird. Yeah. Okay. Because up to up to this moment, it's been you're just a, a, a trash woman who's pregnant out of wedlock. Okay. This is the first time she's faced with somebody knows what's in my womb, and this is really and it agrees with what the angel overwhelming to me. Yeah. And so. She basically has been around long enough to know that she's not a woman highly favored by those in Galilee, probably, at least at the moment. Um, And um, she then starts this song called the Magnificat. So, um, and this is basically her um, um, just thanking God for what she's just come to realize. Okay. Now, and again, I think this is happening as she's, as she's saying it. I think she's starting to realize. Um, and um, yeah, she, and so she, she knew God's heart. Okay, in other words, she was a devout Jewish woman. She knew the Messiah was in her womb. She knew. Okay. She's now beginning to realize that this isn't going to be a normal experience for me. Do you think she gets that more as she gets closer to giving birth to him that she believes? Is of course, good? yeah, and I think things yes. like having them uh, prophesy over the child at the temple, we're going to get to that in a few minutes or maybe a little later. Um, yeah, I mean, when he says, and, and it's going to pierce your soul. I mean, I think she's beginning to, and I'm not saying Mary, Mary's an incredible woman of God. Don't get me wrong. She's not God. She's an incredible woman of God. Um, and so she begins to praise God. Okay. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud with the thoughts of their hearts. 
He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Okay. So Mary basically is beginning to realize not only that she's been favored by God and highly privileged, but um, incredible things are happening in her and around her that are too wonderful for her. Mm. And, um, you know, there's no self-pride. There's no self-congratulation. There's no, wow, look at what I've done. Look how important I'm going to be. Okay. Now, it's important because, again, Mary is us. When God does things through us, what should our response be? Isn't God incredible? Isn't God amazing? Because when... When God does something through you, you know better than anybody that you shouldn't be taking credit for it because you know you didn't do it, right? Um, And so um, she's basically beginning to show... um, um, Humbleness. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing about Mary. What does she say about this child? Um, She says... Everybody's going to call me blessed. Um, he's brought down the mighty, filled the hungry. Um, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Focus on God, my Savior. What does that tell you? That Jesus saves us. Okay, and what does it tell you in this case? Jesus saved her. Jesus saves Mary. What does Mary need to be? Why? Because she's not perfect. Right. Okay. Mary herself says, I need a Savior. Okay. So I know I'm sort of beating up the whole Catholic concept here, but the truth is it's not in Scripture. Mary clearly says, God, my Savior. If Mary was God, she wouldn't need a Savior. Did Jesus ever say... God my Savior? No. Right? He never said, oh, I need a Savior. Okay, Mary's telling you right here, she needs a Savior. And she's going to birth the very Messiah that's going to save her. It's yeah. incredible when you think about it. Um, Mary, did you know? And so, um, uh, so, um, the song mainly celebrates God's goodness, faithfulness, and power. And um, I think it's important just to realize that uh, her first response upon realizing what was really happening, which I think was in this moment, was to stop and praise God. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those shows they used to have where all of a sudden they'd be talking, the next thing you know they burst out in song and everybody starts dancing around the screen? <laughs> I used to hate that. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden there's a movie going and then it breaks into some song and dance thing that... Yeah, well, yeah, that's what it's called. It's called a musical. And yet, that's in many ways how our life with God's supposed to be, right? Our life with God is we break into song. We break into worship all day long as we realize what he's done in us and through us, okay? And then it tells us at the end of this song, Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home, Okay? Yeah. So why do you think three months? Because that's when Elizabeth had her baby, right? Okay, so we have Elizabeth. Would have been nine months at that point. Yeah. She's not going to walk six miles if she's nine months pregnant. Right. No, Elizabeth. No, Mary wasn't. Okay, so Mary's probably what, six months pregnant by now? Yeah, six months. Six to seven? Okay. Because she was there for three months. Well, Elizabeth should be giving birth around that. Right. Something more Mary remained with her for about three months, three months and returned to her home. Where's her home? Okay, so now Mary is six months pregnant? Five months pregnant? Six months pregnant? Okay, so we're sort of doing the time frame here, right? How long do you think she's up in Nazareth before she turns around and leaves? 
Not very long. What's the fallacy of the Christmas story that everybody's memorized? <laughs> he was born there. That he was born on the night she arrived. Yeah. What does the scripture actually say? It says while they were there. It says after they'd been basically it says after they'd been there for a while it came time for her to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. My bet, my suggestion would be that she left Elizabeth. She went up to now just long enough to grab Joseph and get the heck out of Dodge. Joseph was probably very happy to get her out. Because the angel had told him. Angel had told him and public pressure pressure and stoning and all kinds of things were likely going to happen if they stayed there. Uh, Now, we're going to be told later that this came during the time of a census from Caesar Augustus, which will be a whole other story to talk about. Um, But it was not required that Mary go. Only the male was required to go for the census. But she goes. All right? And um, so it's most likely that she, they could have, scriptures probably could have said, uh, she went to Bethlehem by way of Galilee. Uh, I suspect she picked up Joseph and they headed out pretty quickly. When, when do you think Joseph and Mary got married? Well, uh, probably after the birth of Jesus, somewhere on the way to Egypt. So, so you think that, that he kept her as his spouse? Well, we know he didn't have sexual relationships right. with her. Right. Um, until after the child was born, uh, for, for all sorts of Jewish law reasons, that would have been a couple months later. Um, we know that when the wise men came, he was probably around two. So my bet would be they got married sometime after the birth of the child and um, before they went to Egypt. In addition to that, they've been given the gifts of the wise men, so and money. So something to think about. I mean, it's a whole other story. God provided them the resources to leave and go to Egypt through gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He's providing for them while he's fulfilling. Why do you think about stuff like that? I never thought about that. That that I mean, they're very, you know, they're poor because they're doing like a dove for for the Messiah. So they don't have any money. Because he might have been disowned. Yeah, so they don't have any money. So that's why they would that. That's the other. We're going to talk about the whole Christmas story next time about if we get there. Um, well, um, it doesn't. I mean, technically, from okay, from their standpoint, um, I mean, this, this is like a whole other thing. But the betrothal ends when the father says the room is ready. Okay, and a wedding ceremony occurs. Okay, now in this case, the Heavenly Father says it's time. All right, at some point, we don't know anything about their marriage, so whatever we would say would be speculative, but we know they were married and we know they had at least four more children. Yes, Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. Mm-hmm. It says, And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, right. but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a yeah. son. But whether they had a ceremony or not um, is a whole other story because the true ceremony is a betrothal. You're married once you're betrothed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but the ceremony basically said it's okay now to begin sexual relations. So that would just be like an agreement between yep. the two dads. Yep, yep. Where Joseph went to his dad and said, yeah, we've heard all this stuff going on, mm-hmm. but I got news for you, Dad. God's told me I'm supposed to marry her. Right. And, it's, and then the dad would go to Mary's dad and say, you know, I know you're upset about what's going on, but this is this is what we're... Well, let me ask it this way. Other than stoning them and killing them, what would be the appropriate thing to do in that situation? Put her away. Put her away. Put her away. Put her away. What else should he, could he do? Divorce her. Or he can marry her. Right? The presumption was if the baby was his, he'd marry her. If the town didn't kill him, he'd marry her because that's his child. Okay? If the baby was from somebody else, he would probably kill her. Right? Think about it. Um, yeah, yeah, he basically wanted to deal with it secretly. So 
what I love about this is we started out with Luke and a baby being, and we're all over the place with thoughts. And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's yes, the beautiful that's thing the about studying so the scriptures. All kinds of scriptures to and what you've got to do is learn how to do that with people, but also on your own. I call it interrogating the scriptures. Okay? <laughs> Asking yourself a question. Okay, so when did Mary receive the Holy Spirit? When did Mary actually know that she was carrying a child? When did Mary know this child was going to be born differently than everybody else? Because we read backwards. We take our 2,000 years of history and put it back into the story. Yeah. You've got to learn when you're reading Scripture that whatever happens after this, you don't know anything. Yeah. Okay, you're literally looking at it for the very first time. Um, and you're asking yourself questions. So it's likely that um, um, you know all of this was um, uh, played out exactly as God, well, I know it did, as God anticipated. But each of them are discovering their role as they go along. Okay? And what I wanted to tell you is that's how you live your life too. Yeah. Okay? You don't know the great things God has planned for you. He says that they'd blow your mind if he told you. No, my, I can conceive no, my, the things that God has for those he loves. His plans are higher than ours. You haven't even thought about what he can do, right? Mary had no idea that 2,000 years later, she'd have a whole Catholic church worship. No, she, I mean, she, she didn't know. She knew she'd be considered blessed. She didn't know what that really meant. She didn't know that he was going to be crucified. She didn't know he was going to do those miracles. All she knew was a king was coming. And in her mind, the king she expected was David. Okay, this Messiah, Savior of Israel, was thought to be a worldly king who God would establish on the throne, right? Healing. Overthrow the Romans, overthrow Herod, the whole Yeah, uh, raising people from the dead, walking on water, calming storms, all those God things, that wasn't what they were anticipating. You know, even Mary wasn't quite sure what they were anticipating. She may have thought the miracle at Cana was as good as it gets. I mean, you really have to look into the scriptures as they're evolving yeah. and not put into it what you already know. That's the point. So we're going to look at that as we go further. And we're so, almost. And, and so when we apply that to our life, and it comes right back to what you said earlier, when we say, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Yeah. Right. Tying it to Sunday. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they're both going through a trial. Yes. But what did she do? Focus. Yeah. Focus. No, you go ahead. You're doing a good job. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Exactly. Yeah. So, no matter what the trial is, and, and surrender. And the challenge is you see both of them doing exactly what you would expect people who are sold out to God to do. Okay? And there's going to be something in your life at some point that's going to seem like it's going to have to be supernatural what happens, and God's going to invite you into that space. And the answer is, may it be to me as you determine, Lord. Okay? Yeah. Because a lot of people never see the supernatural of God because they never get outside their own comfort zone. In other words, God can love me, but he can't do anything in my life bigger than what I can imagine. Don't make me uncomfortable. Okay, well, if, as long as you have that attitude, you don't need God. Right? Our prayer should be, God, wow me with something so incredible that I know I didn't do it and I see how great you are. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean live on the edge because most of us if you think about this and I'll close here most of us we pray within what we think we can do so God doesn't fail Okay. so as long as we ask God things we know we can do then God did that wasn't that great but when you ask God to do something that only God can do and you look like a fool if he doesn't do it then you're beginning to step into the zone where God does the supernatural because supernatural means beyond natural I know that's crazy, but that's what it means. What? Right. So we can only operate in the natural space. God says, I'm super, and throughout the scriptures, he does supernatural stuff in natural people. And somehow we read that and we think that he stopped doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But the scriptures tell us he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. So he's doing the same thing today that he was doing with them. So my point is, is that we don't need to take Mary and make her a God. We need to allow Mary to be the woman that she was to inspire all of us to let God do incredible things through us and give the glory to God, not to Mary. That's the point. Does that make sense? Yes. And the things he told Mary are the things that he's telling us. Yeah, and the things he did in Mary's life are exactly the kind of things he wants to do in your life. 
Now, you may not be asked to birth the Messiah, okay? But you may be asked to share the gospel. And to the person that receives it, that's about as good as, I mean, what better thing for them than the fact that you shared the gospel? Mm -hmm. So that's the point. And I think as we read scripture, my other point I want to make tonight was allow the Holy Spirit to take you anywhere in the scriptures he wants to take you. Okay? So like when I was studying for this, I kept wanting to get through this thing, but I kept coming back to when did Mary get the Holy Spirit? Okay? And then I thought, okay, I guess that's what I'm going to teach on. When did Mary get the Holy Spirit? Right? And the point is, she was no different than everybody else. She received it when Jesus sent it. She was with the 120 in the upper room. And we don't hear from her again. Okay. I know y'all go look in the Bible and see yeah, if you can find her. After Acts 2, you don't hear about her again. Okay. Now, the assumption is she's, wherever John goes, she's going. So, like, there's all sorts of Catholic um, saints and moments where, particularly at, like, Ephesus, where John was um, a pastor for a while, that, you know, she was there with him. She lived up on the hill. Uh, I mean, I toured her house when I was over there, um, supposedly. No, I was there. It wasn't supposedly there. The house <laughs> was supposed to be where she lived when he was at Ephesus, and it's a holy site now, and they do things there. Um, but the point is, is that I think making Mary a god or goddess takes away from the fact that God calls ordinary people who are sold out to him to do extraordinary things Amen. so that he gets the credit. What's happened with Mary, particularly in the Catholic Church, is they've given the credit to Mary instead of God. And that's that's sort of the challenge. Okay. All right, so uh, who wants to pray us out?